Y'all doing? Man, y'all don't sound like no bunch been in revival all week. How y'all doing? I don't know about y'all, but I believe my revival took. This is when you find out if it was you or the Lord or just a bunch of feelings, because if the Lord blessed and touched you, it'll stay with you. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but I needed help, and God gave it to me this week, and I want to thank the Lord for a great, awesome week. I want to thank him for all the testimonies that I've got from so many people of how the Lord met you and did so many different things. He knows every need we got, amen? And you know, we just sang that song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Do you mean that? Because I don't know if you understand this or not, the Lord is in our lives actively preparing us every day. And he is actively working in our church. And what a blessing for that. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And you know, there's a lot of things God is actively doing in our life. And I don't know about y'all, but I thank God for his presence, boy, and what he does and in and through us. And there's one I want to talk to us about today that a lot of us, I think, have forgotten about. How many of you believe that good, godly, biblical parents correct their kids? You know, the problem ain't bad kids. The problem is bad parents. And guys, our Heavenly Father is a Holy Father, and He ain't a bad daddy. Can I get an amen? He knows how to correct His kids to behave in a way that honors Him, brings glory to Him, and brings blessings to the rest of the family. And when you're living outside of what he has prescribed as right and wrong, what his will is for your life, get ready. There's something coming. How many of you have been whooped in your life by good? Been to the woodshed? I'm going to tell you what. Ain't nothing like a good snot flying. I'm sorry, daddy. You'll never do that again. Amen. Warm that butt up. Well, I want to tell you something today. You might not believe me, but our heavenly father corrects his kids. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you are without correction, you ain't his. Because you don't correct other people's kids no matter how bad you want to. But if you love God and you understand God's ways, you correct yours. And friends, God corrects his children. We're going to read a passage of scripture here this morning. But before we do, I want to thank everybody who came to the revival. We had an awesome attendance. Everyone who helped serve meals. And man, y'all put an impression on them Cajuns, and that's hard to do, amen, feeding them and ministering to them, nursery workers, but also I want to thank you for the extraordinarily unbelievable blessing of an offering we gave them. We were able to send each one of them home with over $3,000. Guys, y'all blessed them. They were so thankful. They were overwhelmed, and so what a blessing, church, and I know if you blessed, God blessed you back. And so what an awesome thing. But I want us to look at something, read a passage this morning. How many of you realizes that you didn't know how powerful sin was till you tried to quit? Those of you just playing church, religion, it's just a game, it's a weekend hobby. Sin ain't really a big point. But those of you who want to be real with the Father, who want to have a true relationship, and you know the things in your life that are hindering that, I'm not talking about your salvation, I'm talking about your fellowship, your communion. You're being right in a relationship with God where his spirit is in you and flows through you. And the fruit of that is evidence because God's doing things in your life that religion can't do. Only a relationship in Jesus can produce. And friends, the longer I walk with God, I don't fear what God does me. I fear what God doesn't do me when I get out his will. I fear what sin causes, not what it makes God do to me, but what it keeps God from doing. You can't be anointed. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and have sin. And I want you to look at this this morning. The Bible says, looking at our example of our heavenly Savior, Jesus, it says, For consider him, who? Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. That's talking about the cross. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Have you not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against your sin? And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. This is the the verse that brought me into this study. And friends, we live in a time where there is no correction. People disdain it. 
they despise any type of instruction. And friends, the Bible says right here, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That also means equally disciplines and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. How many of you know means to endure a dose of chastening from a faithful parent I've been times where I thought I wasn't gonna make it for what son is there from a father who does not chasten but if you are without chastening or that's discipline of which all have become partakers then you're illegitimate and not a son and now we ain't woke like the rest of them y'all understand God is not belittling women when he says sons that includes all the brethren children boys and girls so if that by God's including the women too here. He says, but if you are without chasing, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. But nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Father in heaven, we come before you today. We thank you for every and everything you do in our life, for blessing us. But Lord, there's one thing we forget sometimes, because nobody here likes correction, but everybody here needs it. And I thank you, Lord, for the times when you looked down and corrected me. I thank you for when I see you working in other people's lives, that you love us enough to correct us and show us the error of our way and bring us back and point us into the right direction so that we can have the fullness of all the life that you created us to have. Lord, bless this time of study today and help us to see you and how you want to work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you agree with me today that there was a time when people got in trouble for doing something wrong? But we ain't in it. The government, they get Mueller. <laughs> Mueller, he, he, he investigates Trump for the Democrats, but nobody ever gets in trouble. So then the Democrats get in charge, they, they, we get Durham, and Durham investigates the Clintons, but nobody gets in trouble. I'm so tired of the government wasting our money to try to find what people's done. I'm here to tell you, my friend, if you look around, not a lot of people get in trouble anymore. We got a, a society that wants to defund the police. We got liberal prosecutors that want to let those who have been arrested out of jail. That's what we hear. But friends, where's that spirit? Where's that come from? It started long before what we're seeing today. It started when we quit correcting and biblically disciplining children. We got 30 and 40-year-olds now who have never been disciplined, never been biblically corrected, wasn't told right and wrong, never realized there's consequences for bad decisions. There's a biblical principle here, my friend. It says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. And friends, today, if you sow to foolishness, you're going to reap that. And friends, God loves us too much. And I want you to think about this. If you really pay attention when you read the Bible, it ain't all about love. It ain't all about mercy. It ain't all about, it's about God's relationship. And when we look to the scriptures, discipline and chastisement, that's really the same thing almost, and correction are highly promoted methods for training up God's children. As a matter of fact, if you don't use those methods, you ain't godly as a parent. And if you grew up in a home where that was never administered to you on a regular basis, I promise you, you probably ain't a godly person. Because none of us on our own will naturally do what we're supposed to do. We always are going to choose mischief and foolishness. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you in the Bible. 
Part of the process by which God's people learn obedience is called the chastening of the Lord. That's what he's talking about right here. And he says in that verse, when I read this, I said, Lord, that's one of the biggest problems in the church. Look at verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation. That's the encouraging word which speaks to you as to a son, as to a child of God. And he says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. I want you to look at this verse. That comes from he, from Proverbs. And look at what he says. He says, my son, do not despise the chastening. That's the disciplining of the Lord, nor detest his correction. But my friend, we live in a day and time today where not only in the culture, in the society, but in the house of God, the house hates. In de- they, 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 they despise God's interfering with them and chastening them for not doing what they're supposed to do. The last thing they want is correction. We detest it. Some of you, when you've seen the title, said, oh, man, I should have went somewhere else. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm thankful because I would not be where I am had God not intervened in my life and corrected me. And you wouldn't be either. You're not here because you're good. You're here because God is faithful and a good parent. And he's training you. And friends, listen. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Friends, if you got a daddy, you're going to know it. (laughs) And friends, one of the big problems with society today is in higher proportion than ever before, there is a higher percentage of fatherless homes. Dad... Husband, you're going to answer to holy God, the giver of life, the giver of blessings. He gave you a wife, you're going to answer on how you lead her as a husband. He gave you children, you're going to answer on how you lead them as a father. And friends, you can choose the world's view and say, I don't believe in that stuff. Or you can choose the Bible stuff. And friends, the result of what we're seeing is from fatherless homes and some of them that are fathers but they ain't being the right kind and they're not taking responsibility for their children and raising them right. And I'm getting to God. Just let me show you on the way what God has showed us. If you look right here with me, it says, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea. And Jesus says, As many as I love... Jesus says, I rebuke and chase it. Now, how many of you came here this morning saying, I sure hope the preacher rebukes me. I'm sure praying for a good chasing in the day, Lord. You know why you never ask for that? Because we ain't good. We're bad. Therefore, he says, be zealous and repent. Why do you have to be zealous to repent? Because we all do things we shouldn't do. We all love things we shouldn't love. And a religious person gets upset about this. But a man who wants to have a relationship with God says, Lord, show me if there be any wicked thing in my heart. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. But guys, I want you to think about it. Without God's help in spiritually parenting, parenting us, none of us would do it just because we're good and religious and we have it in us. See, God is active in a man's life. And the Bible says right here, and let us not forget the exhortation which speaks to us as to sons. Boudreaux done messed up my light. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when he rebukes by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And friends, I want you to look at this. Proverbs says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. Oh, man, we love the word. Oh, give me some more knowledge. Give me some more truth. But what do you do with that truth? You see, when that truth, I've come to find a lot of people love your preaching until it gets in their business. They'll love what you preach till it points at their house, till it exposes their heart. But, guys, when God corrects you, when you hear a word of exhortation coming from the word of God and, and it rebukes you, You shouldn't get upset because if you hate it, the Bible says right there, you're stupid. I didn't say it. God says it. But he who hates correction is stupid. And guys, we got a whole generation of people living out there who hate it. And look what their stupidity has caused. 
Look what has happened to society in our lifetime. The further we get from God and his correction hand, and we don't want nothing to do with him, let us live the way we want, what we say is right. No matter if you said it wrong and what we say is wrong, no matter if you've said it right, we're going to live our way and do what we want to do. Look what God's letting happen. And it ain't going to get better, it's going to get worse. So if you don't take responsibility to chasing your son, your daughter, your child, while there's hope, there'll come a day when it'll be so much overcome them, there won't be a chance. There's some who's already so much a product of the world, they've already become so much like the ungodliness around us because no one taught them the truth, no one corrected them and let them do whatever they want and they get to a certain age. And let me tell you what the Bible says. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Would you believe that? You leave a child loose. Let him have no restrictions. Never correct him and watch what happens. Foolishness will rule the day. Every time. Not godliness, not righteousness. But this is what the Bible says. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Now how many of you ever had somebody beat the fool out of you? You know, when I was young, I used to say, man, I don't understand this. But now that I'm older, thank God. Because I'm bad enough without this if it wouldn't have been for a whooping. Ain't no telling what I'd have done. How about you? But guys, I just want you to pay attention to what the Bible says. There's foolishness bound up in the heart of every child. But the rod of correction will drive it for him. Look at what he says. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You let a child, you spoil him, you leave him alone, you never correct him, he'll hurt you one day. He'll break your heart every time. I watch it over and over and over. I've been watching three churches now. I've been doing it 25 years, and I can watch and say, boy, they're coming. It's going to be a difficult day when that one gets old enough. Because sooner or later, you can't get them out of trouble. Sooner or later, you can't cover for them. You let that foolishness rule, you let it take over, and they'll bring shame to your house. And it happens all the time. You see, we got to train up a child in the way he should go. And you don't train him up by just petting him and letting him do whatever he wants. you got to train him up by teaching him what he not to do and what he should do. And friends, as you look at this, he says, Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. And I'm a living testimony that that is true. My daddy used to whoop me and my brother Greg. We lived on two acres. My Uncle Lewis was around the corner. Lauren Bird was in the middle of us, and he had four acres. And we had a trail used to go through there, and it was a pretty good little walk. My daddy would get to whooping us in the backyard, and before we got put to the room, the phone would be ringing. They didn't have cell phones in. You had a phone. I'd hear Mom answer it. Yeah, yep, that was Marvin. Because he heard us. What did he do? My Aunt Dot, she was so sympathetic for us. That she wouldn't tell on us a lot of times. One day, my brother Greg, we was old enough. We had pellet guns. We was killing birds. Boy, we was proud. He had a paper sack full of about 10 birds, woodpeckers, any kind you can imagine. He went over to Aunt Dot's. And Aunt Dot them never locked the door. And they had a big old giant window fan sitting on the side that pointed out, pull air through the house. <laughs> Greg opened that door, sat that. It was cold. It wasn't wintertime. So he sat it right inside that fan. But they wasn't turning the fan on. Nobody noticed till they started smelling something. And they found all them bed birds. And they never did say nothing. And finally one day it came out. And Daddy said, why didn't you tell us? She said, because you'd have whooped him, Huey. But friends, I'm just telling you. He who spares his ride. Oh, I done went backwards here. Do not withhold a correction from a child. For if you beat him, he will not die. And I know the world today and schoolhouses today will tell you that's not a good thing to practice. Well, the Bible says you shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell. And friends, that's the Bible. That ain't Brother Marvin. That's what the Bible says. You show me a child that's never been whooped, and they're probably not going to be. They're going to be a little spoiled. And friends, look at here. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. He doesn't waste time. And friends, listen, that's what God's told us to do. You don't know about y'all, but how many of you remember when they still gave whippings in school? When I was at Madisonville Junior High, we had a little principal. He was a little sweet of a man named Leroy James. We called him Lurch. 
church. He was this docile. I found out he was a deacon in the Baptist church at First Baptist um, Folsom all that time. Now I know why he was such a pleasant little man. We took advantage of him and his nature. Man, I left school in the sixth grade and started back in the seventh grade. I was in the junior high section. And Mr. Leroy James wasn't there no more. It had another man named Mr. Randy Tate. And man, we used to get in trouble on purpose to get sent to the office to get out of class. Because if you got sent to the office with Mr. James, he'd say, Now, Marvin, you know you ought to not be doing things like that. Now, if you get in trouble again, I'm going to have to call your daddy. Now, you go on back to class and you be good. And you get out of class. So, man, that next year, I get in trouble, got sent to the class. Mr. Tate said, all right, Mr. Cooper, this is one. You come back again, you're going to get a paddling. I said, really? He had so many people come into class. He said, I got too many to paddle all week day long. I'm going to put an end to this. Quit sending them to the office. At 2.30, sent them down to the utility closet. It's a big old walk-in closet. thing went from here to that wall, and it was full of mops and all the things that the custodian used. We showed up at the 2.30 lineup. There was a line down that hall. I'm telling you, it must have been 30 kids. And Mr. Tate came out, and he said, send them in one at a time, Mr. Blackwell. You first, John Bone, big old ninth grader, two years older than me, tough as a nail. He come out with tears in his eyes. <laughs> what happened in there? He went in, the door closed. Shapow, shapow, shapow. He came out. Closer I got, the more I started thinking about, I need to start being good, Lord. I need a change of habit. I went my turn in there. He hit me three times. He said, you come back again, it'll be five. Did I go tell my daddy? No way. My daddy would have gave me five more. My daddy wouldn't have sued the school. My daddy would have thanked Randy Tate. And my daddy said, what did he do? He does it again. Don't just spank him. Call my house. But oh, how things have changed. And friends, I want to tell you something. Getting a whooping does not make you a bad parent. It makes you a biblical parent. Giving a whooping, I mean. Because our God, believe it or not, whoops his children. Look what it says right here. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as to sons? My son, do not despise. He means do not take lightly. That's what the NIV says. The discipline or the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or he disciplines. And I want you to notice that last one. He scourges every son. Not most sons. Not some sons. Every son, every daughter, God scourges whom he receives. And friends, we've forgotten this because we've let culture and society and what they say how you ought to raise your children instead of what God says rule our homes. I want you to think about this. The chastening of the Lord, the discipline of the Lord. There's three ways in that text right behind there that he says God corrects us. First, he rebukes us. Second, he chastens, he disciplines us. That's a punishment. And third, he scourges us. That's a whipping. Now, I want you to think about this. God, very possibly right now, is rebuking somebody from the word of God. And God starts out like every parent. Don't do that anymore. Quit that. That's wrong. Why? Because I said so. That's how God works. And he starts out, he'll, he'll just speak with authority. This is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. How many of you has had that happen in preaching? If you ain't never had that happen, don't go to that church because that church ain't anointed. If you're sitting under Holy Spirit, true biblical preaching, sooner or later you're going to get rebuked. And friends, a rebuke's not a bad thing. It's a verbal correction. And I'm telling you, we used to get some, me and my brother would be out playing. You see, you can hear, and then you can listen. There's two big differences. We'd be out playing, mom would say, Marvin, Greg, supper's ready, y'all come on in. You see, now you got to run them out the house. She had to come find us to get us back in the house. That changed too. But we'd be playing, we'd be over my Randy. And all of a sudden she'd say, Marvin, you and Greg come home. we keep playing. All of a sudden, Marvin, John. 
Gregor Scott, get to the house right now. Phew, boy, we was running. Because she got our attention. And you see, that's what God tries to do when we are outside of what he wants us to be. If you're living in sin, God's not up there saying, what am I going to do with that wayward little Baptist? I saved him. I bought him and redeemed him with the blood of my son. And now he just won't act right. Do you think because he adopted you, he don't know how to fix you? Do you think the almighty God don't know how to straighten out a wayward child? Because, friends, if you can live conditionally in sin and habitually do things that you know you're ashamed to even let any of us know, much less a holy God, and he ain't intervening, you're probably not his son. As a matter of fact, the scripture says you're not. Because it says right there, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as his son. But if you are without chasing, look at verse 8. Of which all of us have become partakers. Every one of us has been chastened if you belong to God. And he says in verse 8. But if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers. Then you are an illegitimate and not his son. The King James says you're a bastard. And it's in the Bible so I didn't say it. Jesus did. And friends here to tell you today. If you do things like I see people today do in the church and live, these people who say I can be practicing homosexuality and be ordained, that, that they ain't got a relationship with this God I know. Because he's going to correct you. But let's not pick on them. Anybody in here that thinks he can watch pornography every day of the week and just do what he wants with that, you are no better off. You're just as bad off as the homosexuals. People who think you can just live a life of debauchery and immorality. And I'm here to tell you that God's a loving parent. He'll never ever forsake you and leave you. He's not going to say, well, I saved him, but he ain't saved no more. No, if you got saved, you belong to him. He's your daddy. He purchased you. He adopted you. You won't lose your salvation, but you will struggle in your fellowship. Your communion ain't going to be what you want it to be. You ever get in trouble when you punish? Sitting at the table is a long deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. You'd be thinking that's the longest meal you ever ate. Friends, listen. But not only does he verbally correct us, he chastens, he disciplines, he punishes us. That's an emotional correction. You know what he usually does? At this stage, when you don't listen to his rebuke, and you know him, and you've been right with him, and you've been walking with the Spirit, you've been living, having the joy of his salvation, experiencing the peace beyond understanding, you're, you're seeing the fruit of the Spirit manifested in your life, the love, joy, peace, the, the, the patience and long-suffering, the kindness, the self-control, all that supernatural stuff that God's been doing. He'll rebuke you. He'll tell you that's going to hurt you. It's wrong. Quit it. It's grieving my heart. It's grieving my spirit. But you keep doing it, it'll quench him. Because what God does, he takes from you more than he does to you when he first starts to work in your life to correct you. You can't have the anointing and the world's things they love. You can't experience the joy of your salvation and the joy of sin. You say, well, sin's joyful? Yeah, why do you think we keep doing it? For a season. Or you wouldn't keep doing it. So he takes stuff from you. Let me give you an example. David, when he sinned, listen what he said to the Lord in Psalm 51 in his cry out of repentance. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He didn't have it anymore. You see, when David sinned, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He could have repented. He could have said, Lord, I'm sorry. But he tried to cover it. He tried to mask it. He tried, so he, he schemed. And when that scheme didn't work, it led him to murder. He killed her husband. Then he married her. Theologians believe he went two years. Nathan the prophet came to him. Preached to him. Said, what do you think ought to happen to a man who does that, David? He said, he ought to die. He said, you the man, David. And David broke. David cried out. And he said, oh, you don't worry, you're not going to die. But there's going to be consequences, David. The sword will never leave your home for the rest of your life. But God's going to forgive you. And David cries out this beautiful picture. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Renew, renew it. It's gone. A steadfast spirit within me. 
And do not take your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. Don't take it. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me again by your generous spirit. There is nothing like being in a right relationship with God and fellowship and communion. And there ain't nothing worse than when that's taken. You see, that's what God does. The same thing we do. When I got my last whipping, I don't know how old I was. I was probably 13. My daddy whooped me till I was out of breath. And I said, I ain't crying. Old man could whoop me. I'm old enough. He whooped me and he looked at me and said, you outgrew whipping, son. That's all he said. I said, what that meant? My friends will be going somewhere. You ain't going. You're grounded. You don't leave the house for three weeks. Daddy, it's been two weeks. You say something again, it's going to be four. Then I got a car. God blessed me with a car. That was a blessing to have a car, but it gave him a lot of leverage. See, the first time he took that car from me, he reminded me, yeah, you made a down payment, but I'm the one paid for the rest, and it's my car. No, it's my car. Well, why ain't you got the keys? And when you get, learn how to use that car, you can have your keys back. You see, we take rights. They take things. That's what God does, if you're honest. He takes those things that are a blessing to us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he wants us to have the fullness of him. But guys, never forget Not only does he say in that text that he rebukes everyone that he loves, that he chastens every son of his. Friends, he says, I scourge every son. That's a whipping. Do y'all know what a scourge is? That's what they did Jesus. I don't think it's an accident he used a scourge. See this right here? That's a cat of nine tails. That's what they whipped our Lord Jesus Christ with. By his stripes, by his wounds, the Bible say we are healed. You see, Jesus loved us so much that he didn't just go to the cross, but he took our punishment. And God is so serious about the things in our life that hinder our relationship with him that he sent him there. And on the way, they put a crown of thorns on his head And they took one of these things very much like this. It probably had bones and stuff. And they whooped our Lord into the inches of his life probably. And the Bible says that every son that belongs to God, he scourges. Now, does he physically scourge us? No, but he'll make you think he did. You You know what David says in that same passage? Make me hear joy and gladness again that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins in iniquity. He says in Psalm 32, which is always so about that. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away and through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me and my vitality, that's my spiritual strength, was drained away as with a fever heat of summer. That's what David said happened to him. He says, your hand was heavy upon me. Um, God has ways to get our attention. And we don't like it. Who likes pain? One person said it this way. Pain everyone hates, but it sure does get our attention. (laughs) C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers through pleasure, but he shouts through pain. And sometimes our Heavenly Father has to shout. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but I thank God that very recently, God loved me enough to take everything away from that spirit that mattered to me spiritually. And then he finally began to let stuff happen to me. That did bring pain that woke me up friends the thing we need to ask ourselves is god rebukes us as he chastens us and he scourges every son to correct him why does he do it same reason we do it so that you can receive the good things in life instead of the things that the devil deceives us with friends if you look at what he says right here below here and we almost finished today he goes on and he says Furthermore, in verse 9, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. 
Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. The highest attribute of God's character is not love. It's not mercy. It's holy. Every other attribute is first described by holy. His love is a holy love. His mercy is a holy love. His righteousness is a holy righteousness. And we are the holy brethren. And friends, listen. God loves us so much. He wants us to be like him. He wants to experience what we were created to be before sin entered in. And look at what he says in that next verse. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. I can amen that. How about you? Chastening is not joyful while it's happening, but painful. But nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. You want to know how powerful sin is? Nobody will ever, has ever, but Jesus pleased God without rebuke, chastening, and scourging. He said, I do it to every son. And if you are without this, you don't belong to me. There's a preacher back home named Brother Lynn Martin. He pastors Ben's Ford Baptist Church, and they have Ben's Ford Christian School. And there's a story that came out of there. I heard it in a revival. He had a pretty good-sized church. He had a couple of preacher boys under him. That was his associates. One of them's name was Brother Stacy. He was a big old boy, and the other one was little Brother Asa. Asa was little. Stacy was big. And they was everywhere Brother Lynn went. They was his right and left hand. <laughs> and they had this kid in that school kept getting in trouble. He kept getting sent to the office. And this is a Christian school. And I'm talking about this ain't no send your kid because he got kicked out of public school. You're going to be a Christian, you go to this school. Or you're going to act like it. <laughs> and that boy kept getting in trouble. Brother Lynn whooped him. And Brother Lynn whooped him. And Brother Lynn got to thinking, you know, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus and Jesus took our whooping for us. He loved us so much and he hated the sin in our life so much that he let Jesus die on the cross for us. And Brother Lynn said he got to thinking about that. And he said, I got a plan when that boy, he gets back in here. We done about whooped him to death. It ain't working. He said, I'm going to let Brother Stacy whoop me for him. And I'm going to tell him, son, every time you get in trouble from now on, I'm going to let Brother Asa or Brother Stacy whoop me, and I'm going to make you sit there and watch me take a whooping for you. They said that boy was in there. He got in trouble. He was grinning. They said, Brother, <laughs> Brother Lynn got over that desk. He bent over like that. He said, Go ahead, Brother Stacy. And Brother Stacy, they said, he took advantage of that opportunity. <laughs> oh, Brother Asa said he licked his lip, and he lit him up. Pow! They said, Oh, Brother Lynn went, mm-hmm. Pow! He gave him five licks. When he got through, that boy wasn't smiling. He was crying. Had big old tears in his eyes. Brother Lynn said, going back to class. Story is, he never came back to that office again. When we look to what God did for us and what Jesus was willing to take at Calvary, they nailed his hands and feet to a cross. After they beat him and put a crown of thorns and shamed him, you think rebuke is bad? You know what they hollered to him? If you are the son of God, prove it. Here's Jesus, sarcastically, the king of the Jews. And he just hung there. And then they spit on him. They ripped him naked and gambled for his clothes. And he said, forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. How could we not want on just that alone? Want to live for him. Now I'm here not to make you feel bad. But I am here to let God use this if you need be to be corrected. Your sin has a terrible effect in your relationship. You'll go to heaven. But while you're here, you're not going to have relationship with God like you're supposed to. I don't know about y'all, but when I did wrong and I sat with my daddy... And I finally said, Daddy, I'm sorry. It took a little while for that to what? 
get back to normal. But today, if you ain't right with God and you admit it and you'll ask God to forgive you, he'll forgive you and cleanse you and wash you and make you new. But if you keep resisting his rebuke, resisting his chastening, sooner or later he's going to scourge you. He's going to put something in your life to get your, his attention. And friends, God wants you to honor him. He wants us to be like him. What honors you more about your kids when they act like you? When what you believe is important is important to them. When the things and values we value are their values. Now, guys, I know this ain't popular, but tear it out. Tear that page out if you don't want to do it. But it's the truth. God corrects his children. There's a lot of people I see in the church today that are saying, the devil's hurting us. He's killing us. He's got us all sick. He's got us all financially in trouble. It probably ain't. If you're in sin and you're doing all kinds of stuff that you're ashamed of, that you won't tell nobody, it, it, it may not be the devil. could very well be the loving, chastening hand of God. Let me tell you how God works. I got real right with God. I got this on my office. If you go in there, you'll see. August the 21st, 2022. God got my attention. I got on my face. I laid down in that office. I snot wiped, had to wipe the carpet up when I got up. But I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like this ever again. Lord, if you'll help me, you change me. I want to be real. I want to walk with you. I want to be a holy man of God. And I got right with God and I've been seeking him. And that ain't been that long ago. And I've been telling God, I want to be right. I want to be real. I don't, I don't want to play. I want to be the real deal. Created me a clean heart, oh God. Give me clean hands, oh God. Purify me, God. Just like we sang. I've been sharing it with Jonathan and them. Well, friends, the revival was getting all set up, and I'm really seeking revival. I've been preaching all about being sanctified, set apart, being holy, walking in righteousness if you want God to use you. And God's been blessing me again. He's, my studying's good. My praying's good. He sends Marty and Tori up here. Man, we had an awesome week. All of us praying. And man, we did, But they're all coming for revival, though. And I had talked to the camp director down at Camp Bethany, and he was going to let Tori and them stay there. And he said, don't worry about it. I ain't going to charge you by day like the other camp director used to do. I'll just charge you for what the cleanup is. And so I get a call from... Nathan's dad, Bob, how many, ain't he a blessing, Bob Buck and Miss Jody? And he says, man, we're coming down to Boston. He said, we're going to come down and spend revival with y'all. We need revival and want to come and support y'all. Could we stay with y'all? And I told him, man, Brother Bob, I got my friend Marty staying with me. And so I called the camp director and I said, Hey, man, could one more person stay down there? How much more will it cost? He said, oh, it ain't going to be much. It's only one room. It won't be enough to worry about. And so I didn't say anything. I didn't tell the church. I, I didn't say, hey, we're going to pay. I just did it. And I figured, well, I'm the pastor. I can do that. And God hadn't convicted me. I don't think I'd got out of the will of God. But my wife asked me. As they were coming down the next day, she said, you got all this took care of? She said, well, what about Bob and them? They're going to stay down at the church? Is that okay? I mean, what, I said, don't worry about it. I took care of it. I took care of it. I got it covered. She said, well, have you said anything to the church? I said, no. I said, it ain't going to matter. I got it. The Spirit of God said, that ain't true. <laughs> See, a half-truth is a whole lie. And at that moment, I felt it. Well, guess what? God says, big boy, you think you got everything set up going your way, don't you? Tory is on way. He's en route. He said, we're going to be there about five-ish. Marty's in my house. He's been there two days. We only got two bedrooms. Bob shows up early, comes to our house, says, can we go on down to the camp? I said, listen, Bob, I got it all took care of, man. <laughs> I got this. Thank you so much. You don't know how much we appreciate it to be coming and have time to spend and seek revival. And thank you and your church. Thank you, church, for taking care of this for me. And I'm just, I ain't said a word. I mean, it ain't no time the phone rings. It's the camp director. Hey, preacher, we got a problem. There's some ladies down here who are having a ladies' conference, and they don't want nobody here. 
they claim and they had camp exclusivity and can you send broken vessels and your missionary friends and get them a motel room what <laughs> yeah it would help me out it would keep me from having trouble and I'm like Lord why are you let this happen to me Lord I'm trying to live right I go twine into Diane you ain't gonna believe what's happening and I didn't want to have to tell him I didn't have nowhere for him to go so what did I do? I pulled a David. I'll fix this. I called my deacon, Richard. Didn't pray, didn't ask God, just in desperation. I got to cover this up, man. I don't want to have to tell him I ain't got nowhere for him to stay. I don't want him to stay here with me and Marty. We ain't got an extra room. What are we going to do? God likes to put you in them kind of predicaments. So I called Richard. Could we borrow your mobile home? Could you bring it? Yeah, Brother Marvin, but it's, it's, we need to get some stuff ready. It's been sitting. It ain't even been cranked. Richard calls me back and says, man, it won't crank. I got the battery charging. He finally got it. He says, look, I don't know what's wrong with it. I can't get it to crank. When Richard can't crank something, it's divinely a purpose. <laughs> so I'm still in desperation. So I go in. I eat humble pie. I said, Bob, Jody, I got bad news. I ain't got to camp. Y'all not going to be able to stay there. I seen their face. You ain't got nothing, do you, big boy? <laughs> and I'm, oh, no. So then I'm like, well, now I got Tory. He's going to be here at 5. He sends me a text. Hey, we're going to go into Camp Bethany first and check in, get our air conditions going, unpack, then we'll meet you up at the church to put our equipment up. So about that time, the camp director calls me back. He says, man, they done called the president on me. I said, well, what did the president say? He said, the president said, if you're a pastor, and he said, you've been on that I was on the committee, thank God for that. He says, he says it's my call. I said, well, brother, you're going to have to keep broken vessels. I said, I ain't got nowhere to send them. Ain't no way I got the money. So he said, I'll take broken vessels, but you got to do something with your missionaries. And y'all might not think this is much, but I knew God was dealing with me. So I go inside. Guess what I'm doing? I'm crying to Diane. I can't believe God's doing this to me. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do right. You know what the Holy Spirit told me? Then why don't you act right? Well, I don't remember what Marty said. Let your talky-talky be your walkie-walkie. Because if your talky-talky ain't your walkie-walkie, you ain't going to get what you think from your relationship with God. And I didn't remember it good as Boudreaux. Go watch it. But all kidding aside, I started studying this message. And God said, that's exactly why I let that happen to you. I'm teaching you a lesson. If you're going to be my holy preacher, you ain't going to tell half-truths. You ain't going to do things undercover. You're going to be transparent. You're going to be open book if you want to have me anoint you. And friends, I'm here to tell you, I'm no different. If you're a parent or whatever, God don't play. He corrects. At that moment, I felt like I was under the scourge, Brother Jonathan. <laughs> you know what I told him this week? Thank you, Jesus. In his mercy, do you know what he did? Brother Bob went outside. He come back and they said, look, we don't want to intrude. And we got a lot of stuff in our car. We're just going to go get a motel and put it on a credit card. Brother Marty whoops his card out and said, no, you ain't. I'm going to pay for it. I said, no, you ain't. I'm going to pay for it. So we get in a big argument over who's going to pay for what. And finally, I said, let's just pray. And we sat down. And we had a prayer. And I ain't meaning like Wednesday night, pray before the, I'm talking about praying. And he said, well, the problem is my car's got everything we own in it. We went out there, there wasn't room to put another thing in it. They live in, I said, you could store it in my shop and you stay here. I said, Lord, gave me that house. That house is not just for me. It's for anybody who needs a place to stay and you're welcome. I'll sleep on the couch. I went and told Diane, I said, what are we going to do? She said, I'll sleep on the other couch. So we was going to let them move in. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Bob said, we're not taking your bed. We'll sleep on the couch. So they stayed with us the first night. The next day during revival, my mama found out about it. You know what God did? Brother Roy said, let me call my church. Brother Marvin said, that's what I should have done. <laughs> he said, we got a parsonage. Ain't nobody using it. You know what they did? They said, we're going to clean the parsonage tomorrow, our church folks, and get it all ready. And he can come out tomorrow, and he can stay there as long as he wants. No utilities, nothing. And they got to move out there, and they're staying there right now. Friends, I'm going to tell you, God is an on-time real God. Even in all of that, he works all things out for good. Friends, in your life right now, you might be saying, why is this happening to me? 
Why is this going on? Well, the first thing is, why does God do it? Because he wants to make us righteous and holy and experience a real relationship. So I'm inviting you today. First of all, if there's no chastisement, if he's never intervening and correcting you, and you're doing all kind of ungodliness, you're not his. That's what the Bible says. You're illegitimate. You're not a son. God corrects his children. And he knows how to do it in the right way. Gently, he'll rebuke, he'll correct and discipline, and if need be, he'll spank. (laughs) But I don't know about y'all, I can honestly say I would not be the person I am if God just left me to do whatever I want. This is real, folks. I don't know how to tell you to respond to this, but to obey God. Now, I know what you're thinking. We're Baptists. If I go up there, everybody's going to think I'm bad. Hey, if anybody thinks you're bad, they're better than you for thinking that. And I know that ain't good English, but that's good Bible. If somebody walks this aisle, you ought to be praising God. Somebody's getting right. If somebody kneels at the altar and even starts getting snot on the carpet, you ought to praise God. Somebody's getting right. I don't know about y'all. When I'm going through the correction, it's painful for the moment. But afterwards, it brings the peaceable fruit of his righteousness to those who are trained by it. These EVs, believe them, churches, live like you want, do what you want. They don't have no clue what we're talking about. If you want to be real, get real, and he'll get real with you. Let's stand. I'm going to pray, brother. What are we going to sing? Nothing else. Father in heaven, today I shared what you showed me, not only through the word, but in my life. And I love this dear church. I thank you for a church where you're at, where people want to be real. And, Lord, I know I got brothers and sisters that, Maybe going through a struggle. May have something in their life. Lord, I thank you for your chastening hand in your children. That you love us enough to correct us when we need it. But that the great news is that, Lord, you paid the price we couldn't pay. You took the punishment we couldn't take. You, 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 you gave the sacrifice we couldn't give. Lord, you died on the cross for us. You took our greatest punishment. You took the sin of every life in this room and every life on earth. You took our beating. You took our punishment. And by your stripes, we are healed. Lord, today, thank you that we won't have to face hell. We'll never be condemned. We'll never be separated from a loving Father. We'll be yours all for eternity. But, Lord, today, I'm praying for people who want fellowship. They want communion. They want to walk in one accord, side by side with their heavenly Father, that they'll get right, that they'll lay sins, that they'll lay things that are hindering you from using them, that we'll be real with our Father. And we'll come. And Lord, we'll thank you tomorrow that, Lord, you corrected us, you chastened us, you helped us to be trained so that we could experience your holiness and be partakers of that. God, right now, there's people who need to be saved. There's never been chastened. They've never felt your hand in their life. They just do what they want. They're good, but they're not righteous. They're not bad, but they're not also in a relationship with you, Lord. There's someone who needs to be saved this morning. Help them to come to Calvary. Help all of us who need to to get right with you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is Jesus spoken to you? Just listen to him. He loves you. He wants to help you. He don't want to hurt you. He wants to set you free to be his obedient child.